1: If you're a Disney Plus subscriber and you're watching The Mandalorian, Jack and I have a podcast for you.
2: Every week, we'll discuss the latest episode of The Mandalorian and talk about other
1: great content and maybe some not so great content on Disney Plus as well. As two lifelong Star Wars fans, we have a ton of fun geeking out over all the little details of the show, and we want you to join us every Monday. So
2: search for Disney Plus
1: Reviews. That's
2: Disney, P-L-U-S, Reviews. Hey, Phil, how about that, Baby Yoda? Baby Yoda says, What's a podcast?
3: Do you like sports? Because we like sports.
1: Welcome to Monday, episode 201 of the Sports Yak. That would be the Roman Gabriel episode. Tell me more about this character. Roman Gabriel,
2: longtime Los Angeles Rams quarterback. I think he also spent a little bit of time with the Philadelphia Eagles. He was big in L.A. back in the 60s. In fact, he did a guest stint on Gilligan's Island as a headhunter in an really? episode. Yes. Roman Gabriel. I believe it's the one where Gilligan drinks the concoction, and he's seen uh, five times what he's supposed to see. Uh-huh. Well, they decide what they would do is give the concoction to the headhunters, and the headhunters would think that they were surrounded by multiple people. Roman Gabriel was one of those headhunters.
1: So, do you think with how you know guest guest starring stuff on sitcoms and shows? That kind of helped boost whatever. Was that one of those moments? Like, did people know when they tuned in? Oh, that's Roman Gabriel. I don't think they knew when they looked at the headhunter. They probably didn't
2: know until they looked in the credits and said,
1: oh, my gosh. But they wouldn't have promoted that, like, you've got to watch tonight's Gilligan's Island. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. Roman Gabriel's on. Yeah. What year would that have been,
2: ballpark? Late 60s, probably 67, somewhere in there. All right. Episode 201. Roman Gabriel. By the way, speaking of the Rams, did you see the new logo that they have put out for the Los Angeles Rams?
1: I saw it was trending, but I've not looked at the logo. I will
2: look at it while you...
1: I'm the 46 Sports Twitter page,
2: and I made the comment that if you wear this, you're going to be like Jake from State Farm. You'll look hideous. There are some things in life that don't need to change, and the Los Angeles Rams logo was one of them. This is just stupid. (laughs) Whoever did this, just, this is one of the more asinine things that I can remember. You've got that beautiful curling yellow ram's horn that it used to be, and now it's just some monstrosity.
1: Well, it it has the swirl, but they put the L.A. in there. Yes. Like you need, it looks like kind of an old L.A. gear logo. Yeah, well, and... How's that company doing? Yeah, that's. Uh, I won't wear that. No,
2: nobody with any taste would. No, bring back the old Rams logo before it's too late. Mm-hmm. You know when they came out with new Coke and they realized this isn't going to work, they went back to old Coke real quick. Mm-hmm. I think the
1: Rams should do that. <laughs> what about Clear Pepsi? How'd that turn out? Not so well. <laughs> no,
3: Family Broadcasting Corporation. Oh, the in association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network, presents oh Sportsiac. Oh one host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer Chuck Freebie. Forever.
1: All right, let's get into it. You had a busy
2: weekend. My goodness. Our crew has had a busy weekend. We did uh, six games in the span of three weeks, which is a logistical challenge for us. However, uh, it was a good weekend of sectional action. Corey, I, this is probably, I'm going to use the term chalkiest. When you talk about chalk in sports, that means the favorites win. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the chalkiest years of high school basketball sectionals that I can remember. Virtually all of the favorites won, with the exception of maybe Westview down in the 2A sectional, but we knew that was going to be a grind for the Warriors. Let's start off in 4A. Uh, The best game of Saturday night was over at LaPorte. Culver Academy held off a furious charge from South Bend Adams in the fourth quarter. Came away with a 44-43 win despite a horrific shooting performance from Trey Galloway, who only scored, I think, four points in the sectional final. The star? The star (laughs) only scored four points in the sectional final. But CMA got enough big plays to find a way to win, and so Mark Galloway's team... By the way, that was an interesting matchup. Mark Galloway and Chad Johnston were roommates at Bethel College. Oh, okay. Played on that 1998 national champion team and then coached against each other for the first time on Saturday night. So Culver Academy prevails and they move on to the Michigan City Regional. They'll play Northridge. Northridge, I think, right now is playing as well as anybody as they go into this 4A sectional. They'll still be an underdog the Culver Academy, based on who Culver Academy has beaten this year and the schedule they've played. But Northridge has terrific balance. They have a bunch of guys that can hurt you from three-point range. They have a big man in Alex Stauffer who's headed to Indiana Wesleyan, nice player, and they just dominated the Elkhart sectional. Nobody really came close to them the whole time. And so that's the game we'll have on TV 46 this coming Saturday from Michigan City, Northridge and Culver Academy, live on YouTube and Facebook at 11 a.m. and then on the Big Four 6 at 4 p.m. 3A, uh, the Marion Knights go through a gauntlet at the Jimtown Sectional. They beat Washington on Tuesday night. They win an overtime classic with St. Joe on Friday night in a game where St. Joe star J.R. Kinesny, the young man that's committed to Notre Dame, scores 42 points. And somehow Marion manages to emerge from that game with a 68-66 win. They played Jimtown in the final, and it wasn't close, 46-23 the final. So now if you go to the John Harrell website, which is kind of a, a bit of a Bible for all of us who cover Indiana High School basketball, John Harrell right now believes that Marion is the favorite to emerge from the north as the 3A state finalist. And it's hard to argue with that. They play such terrific defense. Their length gives a lot of teams problems. They could get a challenge from Hammond in the regional final this week. Marion will play Hanover Central in the afternoon game. Hammond plays Western in, uh, in its afternoon game. But then when you look at the final, the matchup between Marion and Hammond would be a very entertaining one to watch, and that'll just be over here at Washington High School in South Bend. Uh, also in 3A, Northwood uh, wins its sectional as everybody thought they would. It wasn't that strong a sectional. Aaron Wolf's team now has to head to Newcastle and take on Norwell in the regional semifinal. Norwell will be the favorite in that one. Norwell only lost one game this season and that game was to Marion in the Marion holiday tournament so uh, the Panthers will have their hands full and there's some questions about the status of Northwood star Trent Edwards he did not play in the final three quarters of the sectional championship game so I'm sure there will be speculation all week long as to what his health status will be Uh, also in 3A New Prairie season ended as they lost to Hanover Central that's the team that Marion will face in the regional. 2A, congratulations to LaVille and Rochester. They both move on in the tournament. LaVille has to face a Bowman Academy team out of the Gary area. That'll be very solid and a very tough opponent. Rochester will face Blackford. Blackford has the state's leading scorer in Luke Brown, so that's going to be a tough one for the Zebras. And then in 1A... Uh, terrific shot to win the game for Argus as they beat Triton 28-26 Saturday night to win that uh, sectional. Argus will face Caston on Saturday in the Triton Regional. And Elkhart Christian picks up a sectional championship. They have the unenviable task of facing Gary 21st Century in the Triton Regional. Gary 21st Century, a charter school up in northwest Indiana, and they are loaded. Oh, boy. So, in fact, Gary 21st Century might be the favorite to win the 1A state title. So those are the ways that the high school sectionals shake up. um, Very, very few upsets. The only upset, if you want to call it that, Churubosco beat Westview on Friday night. Uh, That ends the career of Charlie Yoder, the Westview senior sensation who wound up with 2,135 points in his high school career that ranks him in the top 25 all-time of Indiana high school basketball scores.
1: Hmm. So are we to weekend games only now, or do we still have a midweek game?
2: Uh, In Indiana, it's weekend games only. It's Saturday games only. Michigan Madness starts tonight with the boys' tournament Two games to keep an eye on up there. Dawajiak and Edwardsburg collide in a district opener. That should be interesting as those two County rivals square off. And then Bridgman and Cassopolis, a couple of teams, I think uh, both have won at least 14 games, maybe 15. Those two square off in a Class C or Division 3 They've changed from letters to numbers now in Michigan. And those two teams square off. That should be interesting as well.
1: Okay. I heard I caught a few of the uh, basketball broadcasts over the weekend on 103.1. If you live in South Bend locally, you can hear Purdue and Indiana basketball. Meh. Well, Indiana just completely collapsed.
2: They had Wisconsin on the rope Saturday. I think an eight or a nine-point lead, and Wisconsin comes from behind to win the Big Ten title with a 60-56 to 56 win. And then Archie Miller goes into his post-game press conference and goes into this tirade against Joe Lunardi. Joe Lunardi is the bracketologist for ESPN. And Joe Lunardi's sole job is to try to predict who will wind up with what seed in the NCAA tournament. Joe Linardi is not the one picking who goes. He's trying to predict what the committee will do. And Joe Linardi had basically said, Indiana, because of the way it's finishing the second half of the season and the decline that it has shown, continues to take them down in seeding. And going into Saturday, had them as a number 10 seed. And Archie Miller goes into a rant where he compares, uh, he talks about Joe Lunardi's show being a Sesame Street show and basically taking shots at Joe Lunardi. Well, Archie, Joe Lunardi did not have his team collapse at home against Wisconsin in a game that they probably needed to win to secure an NCAA berth. That wasn't Joe Lunardi. That was Archie Miller. Now, if Archie's trying to take the onus off of his team and maybe distract and put it onto him by making these kind of comments, okay. But the fact of the matter is, it was another game that the Hoosiers could have and should have won and didn't. And who didn't they get the ball to when they needed to, Corey? The star. Trace Jackson Davis. Milk carton most of the game. Missing. And so, once again, the problem isn't everybody else, Archie. The problem is you. You have the 11th seed in a 14-team Big Ten. And you're trying to make a case as to why you should get in the NCAA tournament? Now, today, Lenardi has them as a number 11 seed that would have to win a playoff game at Dayton in order to get in. Indiana will open up with Nebraska in the Big Ten tournament on Wednesday night. Nebraska is the dregs of the Big Ten. They are in last place in the Big Ten. So winning that game, even though it's going to get Indiana uh, another number in the win column, isn't going to do that much for the Hoosiers. And then IU would have to turn around and play Penn State. Can they beat Penn State? Of course they can. They can. But if they don't beat Penn State on a neutral, so-called neutral court, because the game will be played in Indianapolis, so it ain't going to be a neutral court. But if they can't beat Penn State on Thursday, I'm not sure they belong in the NCAA tournament. But I'm getting real tired of Archie blaming everybody else for whatever problems there are and getting a hall pass. The fact of the matter is, the issue lies right at his feet. And he hasn't done a good job with this ball club, in my opinion. There's no leadership on this Indiana team. Purdue, we somewhat expected to be down this year. And Purdue had a chance to win a game on Saturday against Rutgers. They had... Hunter at the line for two free throws with the game on the line, trailing by one, and he made one out of two. So they went to overtime, and then again in overtime, they had chances to take the lead with free throws, and they missed free throws, and it wound up costing them, and they lose to Rutgers 71-68. Purdue goes into the Big Ten tournament as the number 10 seed. By the way, ahead of Indiana. And I don't think Purdue's making the NCAA tournament. They're one game over five hundred going in. They'd have to go on a really impressive run. If they beat Ohio State, then they'd have Michigan State in the quarterfinals. And you don't bet against Tom Izzo in March. Michigan State, one of the three teams that shared the Big Ten title this year. So, I wouldn't be surprised. In fact, I... I made an effort to glance at NIT bracketology last night. There is some, (laughs) this shows you how much time some people have on their hands. Oh boy. There's some people that put together an NIT version of bracketology, Mm -hmm. basically saying, well, we know these teams aren't getting in the NCAA tournament. The NIT bracketology right now has Indiana, Purdue, and Notre Dame all in the NIT. And that would be a shame that the state of Indiana would have to pay more attention to the NIT than the NCAA tournament this year. Notre Dame is going to the NIT because they frittered one away Wednesday night against Florida State. Blew a lead. Had a chance once again to beat a ranked team and let it get away. That's 21 straight they have lost to ranked teams. Oh, sure, they turned around and beat Virginia Tech on senior day at Purcell Pavilion. A little too late, though. Yeah, the and, and they're going to go to the ACC tournament. They start Wednesday night. They play Boston College. Okay, let's say you beat Boston College. Turn around, you play Virginia, and maybe you can even beat Virginia. I still don't think, unless they get really hot and... Somehow run the table and win four in a row and win the ACC tournament. And let's face it, at some point in there, you would have to face ranked teams. <laughs> so that you've already lost. They'd too. have to change the trend. Yeah, I just don't see it happening for Notre Dame as well. So it could be a it could be a march that actually goes on longer than if any of these teams make the NCAA tournament. Because let's face it, okay, IU. Let's say you make the NCAA tournament. You may not make it out of the first four game in Dayton. And if you do, what makes us think that you're going to beat somebody in the second round game that you play on a Thursday or Friday? Whereas if they're in the NIT, yes, it's meaningless, but they're playing longer. Mm -hmm. Tell you who looked good over the weekend was Butler. Yeah, Kamar Baldwin hits a three-pointer at the buzzer to beat Xavier in Cincinnati at 36 in that game. And the Bulldogs, I think, looking like a team that could be a right, right around a five or a six seed in the NCAA tournament. And they're the kind of team that can do some damage. Now, they've also lost some games at Hinkle this year that they shouldn't have lost, but... Overall, I'd take Butler over any of the other teams playing in the state right now.
1: Who's playing in the uh, the final game of the Big Ten tournament? Who do you think? Michigan State and well, Wisconsin has looked awfully
2: good. Okay. I mean, Greg Gard has done such a great job with that team, and and Corey, they're playing with they're playing with motivation. They have a an assistant coach, Coach Moore, who uh, was in a horrific auto accident on Memorial Day weekend. Lost his wife and his daughter. He and his son survived. And they've really dedicated this season to Coach Moore. And if you looked in the middle of January at Wisconsin and their chances to win the Big Ten, you would have said, there's no way this happens for this team. But Greg Gard has done a great job with this squad. They won their last eight straight to get the conference title, and the number one seed. Now, the Big Ten has a lot of balance in it. It's not going to be easy for Wisconsin. They'd have to face the winner of that Rutgers-Michigan game in the quarterfinals, and, and that's going to be tough. But I just, I think that team has a mental toughness about it because of the adversity that it faced in the offseason. That they're going to be a real tough out. I I would say Michigan State and Wisconsin in the finals. And to me, that game's a toss-up. Okay. Indiana plays on Wednesday. Purdue plays on Thursday. Purdue Thursday night at 6.30 against Ohio State. Wednesday night, 8.30, Indiana and Nebraska. Notre Dame plays. Wednesday night at 7.00. Okay. Against Boston College. Okay. Speaking of Notre
1: Dame, you seem to be hot on this
2: baseball team. Well, this baseball team is playing well, as well as just about any Notre Dame team has played. In 2015, when they made the NCAA tournament, they started out 11-1. and This team is 10-2. and They just swept North Carolina in North Carolina over the weekend. An exciting brand of baseball. They're scoring runs, which is something that they have not been able to do in recent years. They scored 11 on Saturday, 14 yesterday. If you get a chance, go to the Twitter machine and check out the straight steal of home by Jack Brannigan. For whatever reason yesterday, Corey, the North Carolina pitcher with a runner on third went into a full windup. And Notre Dame clearly observed this and said, if he does this again, we're running. And Brannigan gets a lead off a third. Pitcher goes into the full windup, and he takes off, and he steals home easily before the ball gets there. And the Irish go on to beat the Tar Heels. So 10-2, and second-best start in the last 30 years. And they've got a road game at Radford during the middle of the week. And then I believe they go to... Uh, Louisville this weekend. That's going to be a challenge. Notre Dame has not beaten Louisville on the baseball diamond in a long time. But if they can come out of that series even winning one and coming home 4-2 and two in the ACC and 11-4 and four overall, that there should be excitement on St. Patrick's Day when the Irish have their home opener.
1: Let's stick with baseball. You brought up something off podcast that's uh, pretty fascinating as the The story might change for Major League Baseball this year. Coaches dealing with something completely different. Well, interesting
2: story here from Jason Stark with The Athletic. He says the biggest adjustment that managers are having to make this year is to this new rule where relief pitchers have to come in and face three batters unless it's the end of an inning. And he says even veteran managers are struggling with this because it's such a complete change in strategy. And he uses an example of Terry Francona, who we know, he he managed here in South Bend to start his career, managed the Red Sox to World Series championships. He's now at Cleveland with a pretty good team. And um, Francona says he's losing sleep over – imaginary situations that he creates in his mind. He says, for example, let's say I've got Corey Kluber on the mound and he throws seven innings. He's working in the eighth. He gets the first guy out, and we're playing San Diego, and they've got sluggers like Hosmer and Machado coming up. Now, previously, he could bring in a left-hander to face Hosmer and then a right-hander to bring in to face Machado, but that's not an option anymore with how you do that. And he goes, right now, I don't have an answer as to how I would best approach that situation. And that's going to be, it's going to be a completely different way of managing baseball games for skippers as they go into the season. At this point in spring training, you're still seeing a lot of the rookies and and guys that you won't necessarily see on the big league roster playing in games. But as we get down to the final couple of weeks of spring training, you're going to see managers have to start really thinking through the strategy of these situations to get used to how they're going to start doing them in games. And this rule really changes the strategy of how. Maybe what you do is you stay with your starter just a little bit longer, hoping that when you bring in your relief pitcher, he only does have to face one batter
1: to end the inning, and then you can reset. I was just going to literally put you on the spot and say, all right, you're the manager in that exact same situation with Machado and Hosmer. Osmer's
2: a a left-handed hitter. Machado's a right-handed slugger. Who's the more dangerous of the two? Do you look at it that way? Well, you could look at it that way. You also have to look at what your bullpen rest situation has been, um, who you feel maybe you have a a bullpen pitcher who even though he's a right-hander is tough on lefties. All of those things come into play when you look at these situations. It's a chess game.
1: Yeah, it really is. It's more than just like I'm in my mind listening to you talk about it. I'm I'm trying to deal with the problem right then, but this is no, this is the next inning as well and after that because the, of
2: the next inning and the
1: day before and the next day.
2: It really <laughs> it really impacts how you're going to use your bullpen. Wow. We have become accustomed to there will be guys in bullpens that you bring in for for one specific hitter. You're playing lefty versus lefty. He gets his guy He's done for the day, but you could bring him back the next day. Well, now his pitch count might go up because he's going to face three batters. So he might not be available for that next day. There's a lot that plays into this. Let's, let's say that you are, uh, you're throwing a right-handed starter today, but a left-handed starter tomorrow. If you're throwing a left-handed starter tomorrow, you're going to be facing a lot of right-handed batters. So, your right handed relievers might have more value tomorrow than they do today.
1: Wow. Let's keep an eye on that this season. See how that stuff kind of plays out. Absolutely. Like great examples of great coaching when this comes up. Mm -hmm. Let's keep an eye on that. Okay. What about you? What was the pop culture weekend? You spent some time. You
2: weren't with us Friday. We didn't have a show Friday. Mm-hmm. There was great disappointment across the land that episode 201 had to be delayed until Monday. My apologies. No, no, no. There's no reason to apologize. You have another job, and part of your job is consulting with those in the music business. You were up in Ypsilanti, where all music business apparently
1: transpires. Have you, uh, have you done a game at Eastern Michigan? I have not. Not impressive, <laughs> especially with the big house right there. I mean, it's down the road a, a tick. I know. And then you've got Eastern Michigan, which is, what are they known for? Well, I mean, they had a decent-looking football field. Shaq, but Shaq Van from here played football. They, they had a good
2: football season. They went to a bowl game this year. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. So uh, during the first quarter of the year, our artists that we play usually get on big seven to eight tier tours. Mm-hmm. What do I mean by that? Eight artists in one night on one stage. So you got a Winter Jam. Toby Mac does what's called the Hits Deep Tour. Five or six artists. And there's one called The Road Show, which is the one I went to. So there was uh, six or seven artists and we play all of them. And so I was invited to go up and watch and First night, hey, what do you think? That type of stuff. And in the last decade, I've made a lot of friends that are in the industry, and they've kind of bounced around. So two of uh, some dear friends are now on the staff of the actual tour, ticket sales, marketing, all that type of stuff. So I got to catch up with them, and it was fun. You know, you sit on a tour bus every now and then. You eat the catered food. You watch kind of the headaches behind the scenes somebody doesn't get a sound check so they just gotta walk up dry one young man he's a rapper his uh his thing is a giant backpack everything in my life goes into this backpack so it's an oversized backpack Mm -hmm. and he hangs it on this little makeshift stage in the middle of the crowd but the backpack was too heavy so it bent the hook that it was on so that caused a little bit of a "Uh uh-oh what's what's happening here it's that type of stuff it was but it was fun
2: okay it was fun Chance to nurture relationships.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, a couple of those artists will play our stage this summer. So seeing what they bring to the table, that's kind of helpful.
2: My pop culture moment of the weekend was courtesy of ESPN. Okay. They were in Dayton to take a look at the Flyers for College Game Day. And on College Game Day, one of the traditions at Dayton is uh, bedsheet banners that – Proclaim messages. They'll have them out for Parents' Weekend. They'll have them out for a variety of things. While well, currently, you know, the bed sheets are out celebrating the basketball team because Dayton's basketball team is in the top three in the nation. And so there is a banner hanging outside my daughter's home. Says we have 2020 Vision. March, Atlanta, May, Daytona. Well, March Atlanta is, that's where the Final Four is this year. Daytona is where they plan on going after graduation for a little fling. Okay. Uh, That banner made a montage on ESPN (laughs) during college game day when they were coming back from break and brought you by. And uh, there was great excitement because Rosie's banner was up on the national TV screen.
1: And for those of you that haven't followed along closely, Chuck's twins attend Dayton and will yes. be graduating here in a couple of weeks. And by the way, if you haven't watched Dayton, Obi Toppin, and I posted one of his
2: highlights on the 46 Sports Twitter page. Yeah, Folks, he is worth the price of admission. He is a tremendous watch. He had a between-the-legs dunk in the game on Saturday night against George Washington. Uh, it was the final four home game of the year for Dayton so do the girls
1: attend those games they have uh they have been to a couple the tickets are tough to come by yeah team gets hotter tickets get harder yeah but
2: uh, they've been to a couple I don't think they were in the crowd on Saturday night but uh Dayton's the real deal i I think Dayton has a legitimate shot of making the final four this year.
1: Did you think four years ago, putting your daughters in that school, that you'd ever say that right there? No. No.
2: (laughs) But then again, you know who was coaching to Dayton four years ago? Who was that? Archie Miller. And we bring it full circle.
1: (laughs) That's an awkward pause if I've ever felt one. Now, you said you were on the Twitter. I am, at 46sports. You can follow the Yak as well, at sportsyak with two Ks. Email us, if you'd like, at gmail.com. That was a fun one, episode 201. Hopefully, 202 will be as well. We'll be here. Hopefully, you will too. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga-looga, Roman Gabriel.
3: We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Jack. Sports Yak. Sport Jack Sports Yak is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. You've been listening to Sports Yak with Chuck Freebie and Corey Mann as himself. Yeah. Corey, Corey. Produced by Corey Mann. The Sportsiac theme song by Rhett Walker. Production elements and voiceovers by AudibleGenesis.com. Engineered by Phil Souza. Executive producer is Danae Hughes. In partnership with the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Interested in your own podcast? Contact Danae at Danae at StudioDNA.media. Sportsiac archives available on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com.